0: This is Sandcast, Beach Tribal, and Travis. We're here for this one, our podcast mama, Miss Gabrielle Bourne.
1: Hello. How are we doing today? Good.
0: So, not a lot of people know that uh, what makes our podcast go around is our podcast mama. <laughs> she gets us all set up every week, she sets up the film. Now we have all fancy lights for when we go on the video. There you go. So, it's nice when we have an actress on set.
1: I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. For this episode, we're doing something new. We announced it that we were doing it a while back, but with Huntington going on and the AVP season coming out, we haven't gotten around to doing it, but we're doing a Sandcast mailbag or sandbag, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, And if you have any questions that you would like us to answer, you can email us at sandcastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to find all of our content, we recently renamed my website Paper Quartz to sandcastvolleyball.com. We're pushing out a lot more volleyball content with videos. We've got our audios up there, written content. We're gonna start having content from the players, which is nice. And actually, we should have our first player blogs coming up with our new Sandcast Wildcards, mm-hmm. which are so Sandcast Wildcards, in case you didn't know, are so we take the team that come out the teams that come out of the qualifier and finish the highest in the main draw. We will then fund their next trip. So in this case it was Garrett Wilson and Casey Losick couple NorCal guys, and we'll be funding their way to Austin. So you can keep up with them and li- and read their blogs on sandcastvolleyball.com. And for the women, it is Bree Moreland and Brianna Hinga, who actually, they won a three-way tie with two sisters, the Thibodeau Witt or Witt sisters, who we've had on, but they're not playing Austin because they're P1440. And then the Linquist sisters have mama duties, so they are staying <laughs> home. So Bree Moreland and Brianna Henga are our wild cards for the women's side. Um, so we're going to start doing a little bit more uh, audience interaction here with our Sandcast mailbag.
2: And uh, for those of you who like the podcast, we, uh, we would also appreciate if you guys share it with anyone that you think would um, enjoy it as well. You know, the more uh, more of a following we can get, the more we can kind of hopefully make this worth our time and make it a long-term thing that we can create um, continue to create and hopefully make it way better we have a a bunch of ideas uh that we're trying to work on and uh yeah we're trying to make this a long-term thing so please share it with uh Anyone you think might love the podcast?
0: Yeah, we appreciate all the awesome feedback that we've gotten. To just walking around Huntington, just everyone who came up and approached me and tried was it was awesome to hear that people actually listened to it and they like it. Yeah, I'm not even better. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not
2: a player anymore. I'm the podcast guy. I'll take it. Whatever, take whatever I can get.
1: <laughs> all right, guys, I got some I got some fan questions for you here. Um, our first question is from Jeff Ditman. And it's for Travis. Um, he would love to hear your story, Journey to Beach Volleyball. Uh, everyone knows Tri's story, but he would love to hear yours from the beginning to on the verge of qualifying. Um, also, would love to hear the story of you moving out to Cali. Uh, I'm sure all the non-Cali listeners who are players' fans have thought of moving to Cali to, full, to play, train full-time. How expensive is it really, and how hard is it to crack the quality games?
0: hopefully we can lose the on the verge of qualifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> soon. We got Austin coming up on Thursday. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: hopefully we can lose that one. But my journey to beach volleyball is, is a weird one. Um, as, as it is with like a lot of people who didn't grow up on the West coast, people kind of stumble into it. And I wasn't really any differently. Like I never planned to play volleyball. Like growing up in Maryland, volleyball isn't, it's not even that it's just a girl's sport. It's just like pretty much a non-sport. It's just not like if it's not football or basketball, baseball, Or the cross, like you pretty much don't. There's no way you're gonna play it.
2: Maybe in PE, they they introduce you to it.
0: Yeah. So before (laughs) I moved to Florida, my literally my only experience with volleyball was in gym class (laughs) for like two weeks, and that was pretty much it. And uh, but I moved. I was tired of the snow. Growing up in Maryland, we had like 80 inches of snow one year, and so I I was snowed in at my buddy Jason Wheatley's place, and I just started. I looked on SportsJournalist.com. I emailed every opening that was south of Virginia. And then so I ended up having two interviews with accsports.com, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then with the Northwest Florida Daily News. Ended up taking the job in Florida, kind of like stumbled across a bar in Florida named Juana's. (laughs) And that's sort of, that's just what you do that, like, if you're going to go out, like, you're going to go out to the bar on the beach, and all the bars on the beaches have volleyball courts under the lights, so you just kind of, like, drink and play volleyball and just, like, hang out with people, and I, like, fell in love with it, and then I was so bad at it, though, and, like, I hate being bad at things, so (laughs) I just forced myself to be good at it, and this guy named Judd Smith sort of saw that, like, I was reasonably athletic and that I wanted to be good and want to stop losing so he sort of kind of walked me through and like showed me how to pass well he tried to show me I still can't pass so.
2: he showed you how to pass so. <laughs> yeah
0: still figuring it out how right. to do it um but like and I had a handset and all that stuff and I just kind of like fell in love with it and then I kind of it was funny because I started writing about it too so then I would as I was writing about it, I would also be playing it on the side. So I kind of knocked out two birds and one stone. So I'd be playing in tournaments and writing about them at the same time. I was usually knocked out early enough that I got plenty of time to write about (laughs) it. (laughs) But then, so with sports writing, I mean, writing was still my focus and still is. You either have two options. If you want to like kind of quote unquote, make it It's either New York or Los Angeles, just because they're the two biggest markets. And I had a, a couple job opportunities in LA or in the LA area. Um, and so I took that, and it so happens to be the beach volleyball capital of the world. And then I moved out here and just kind of dove into it.
2: Sounds like acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, pretty yeah. much.
0: It's, you just go <laughs> to the, your where the market. is. Yep. yeah. L.A. or New York. And, you know, I mean, when I moved out here, I just kind of like dove in and just bugged as many people as I could to let me practice with them. And so I've been playing for a little bit less than four years, and my shoulder is already starting to fall off. <laughs> my knees are not far behind. <laughs>
2: Mm. Um, gotta clean that one up
0: yeah in terms of like expensive though like you pay for what you get like we can go out to the beach and you know eight o'clock in the morning in february and all you need is sweatpants and a sweatshirt and you can do that like in maryland you can't do that till late april early may and even then like we had eight inches of snow in maryland like two weeks ago although Mm. snow
2: snow volley is a sport now it is a sport now maryland people are gonna (laughs) be coming in hot (laughs)
0: Yeah, But like, I mean, it's expensive, but it's, it's worth it. Like I'd so much rather like, you know, have to cut some financial corners here than, you know, and being able to be on the beach every morning Mm -hmm. than being just like a little bit more comfortable in a place that, you know, you can't go outside four months out of the year.
1: Living the dream.
0: Yeah. It's it's worth it. And now I get to hang out with you guys and do podcast (laughs) and write about volleyball and then going to Austin, wherever. So it's, I don't know, just the experience is, is awesome.
1: Cool uh well this is more of a fan suggestion but um he says i think one of the things that'd be great is if you could do tourney reca- recaps every avp FABB event with the winners finalists what do you guys think about that oh,
2: well uh that's good timing for that because we actually have some ideas and something in the works actually actually just before we recorded started recording this episode we're well, I was trying to figure out whether I should go to AVP Austin. And the consensus was that I think I'm going to get myself on a plane and go to AVP Austin, even though this is the first tournament that I'm not broadcasting. Uh, but we're going to go for Sandcast. Uh, or I'm going to go for Sandcast. Travis is already going to be there qualifying out of the qualifier. There we go. Um, but our idea was to do a, um, basically a post-match, post, or each day we want to kind of do a, a recap um, and we're going to try to do this, a video version of it. We'll also try to turn it into a podcast. Potentially. We don't know exactly this in idea stage, but, um, yeah, it's actually a perfectly timed question or, or suggestion we have there. Cause we're going to go to Austin and try to test out something like this.
0: Yeah. And any other suggestions that you guys have too? we're open to it. I mean, we're a new podcast and, you know, we've got a new camera we've got a fancy new lighting kit yeah we're trying to, we're to be more than a podcast so. as
2: well like we were talking about with the website we have now we can we're trying to pick out like the small our kind of things that we can be good at for you guys and, and produce the right content uh, in terms of providing kind of content from the players to the fans kind of connecting that gap without having a real media source in between and just having it be really real so we're gonna we're gonna try to do a post-game show kind of thing maybe get three or four of us sitting there on camera like you'd see with uh uh you're watching nba playoff games post-game they bring in players off uh, off the sand or whatever and we talk about what what happened
1: where will people be able to find these recaps
0: on our youtube channel which is sandcast (laughs) podcast and our website sandcastvolleyball.com Now we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Wilson Volleyball. The AVP season is back, hallelujah, which means, guess what? We are back to playing with Wilson Volleyballs again. And the College Girls plays with Wilson, and the CBVA plays with Wilson. The AVP plays with Wilson. There is a reason that all of the pros and those about to become pros play with Wilsons. It is the best ball in the game. It is the one the pros use and the one that you should use as well. And the good news is is that you can get 20% off by using our discount code WILSONSAND. All right, and I'll say that one more time. You get 20% off by using our discount code WILSONSAND for 20% off of the best balls in the game. This podcast is also brought to you by Firefly Recovery. Listen, we're all athletes here for the most part, which means that we are all aching in some way or other or sore somewhere. All right, and a lot of times this is our knees, which is where Firefly Recovery comes into play, which is why I love them so much. So if you're one of those weird people who go to work every day, like I do, you can strap this onto your knee while you're sitting at your desk, and it helps you recover by moving the blood around in the region. I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly how it works. You can go to fireflyrecovery.com. They have all sorts of testimonials and information out there. But what I just want to say is that it works. Like if you're traveling on a plane to an FIVB or a North or to avp austin or to avp new york or seattle or wherever it may be use firefly recovery on the plane it'll help you recover while you're sitting there on your plane ride talking to people that you probably don't want to be talking to anyway so use firefly recovery to be the best athlete that you can be All right, well, I know that you guys get a lot of your listens from iTunes and Podbean, but we are always grateful for our host, VolleyballMag.com, and we are chatting with the editor of VolleyballMag.com, Lee Fineswog. What's happening, Lee?
3: Oh, man, are you busy? Is beach volleyball in full swing? And uh, you've been doing some amazing things, great coverage, not only for us, but also the the Sandcasts have been fantastic.
0: It's just fun. It's uh, like last week was – Insane with Huntington, and then I actually covered some indoor, which was pretty wild. I'd never really done that before, so it was fun to watch uh, UCLA and Long Beach State, and then we had uh, you were out in Gulf Shores, so it was like the volleyball trifecta.
3: Man, what a crazy week for us! Yeah, I was I was in Gulf Shores for the NCAA Beach Championships, and um, it's a fantastic format, the five on five, because it can come down to a fifth, and it doesn't have to be the number ones or twos. And in fact, that was the case quite a bit last week and uh, UCLA played itself out after a loss, came back and won. Florida state, great performance. I mean, all eight teams there, it was so good. And they were lucky in Gulf shores and this part of the world, you know, I live in Baton Rouge, which is about a four hour drive to Gulf shores. We can get some unbelievable weather, especially if it comes out of the Gulf, it'll just sit there. If it's bad rain, it could sit there for days, and there was hardly ever a cloud in the sky, Gulf Shores, last week. Got a little hot and a uh, little you know, bright sun. But, That's uh, right. It's beach volleyball. It was, and it didn't seem – not hot enough. It was hot enough if you were an old guy covering it. <laughs> but if like, you were a young kid playing it, it wasn't too bad. And UCLA had to come back and play twice on the championship Sunday, and that didn't seem to bother the Bruins. And what a great story they were all year, the McNamara Twins and – such balance throughout their lineup. Sarah Sponsel transferring in and having a great indoor year and then outdoor season. And Stein Metzger, one of the great guys, um, the, the coach. And it, it was just a really good story. And of course the other big story was the retirement of Nina Mathies, the Pepperdine coach did a big story on her. Hey, those of you who haven't read it yet, go to volleyballmag.com and go take a read. But that was really fun to do. And, and then while all that was going on, which you alluded to, you know, you guys were covering FIVB Huntington, you and Ed Chan. And then of course the men's indoor f- and wow, what a week. And then it just, it doesn't stop. I mean, you know, we got everything going on this week, the collegiate beach, which I know you were, you were there at Hermosa. And then next week it's AVP Austin, which I'm, I'm picking the upset right now. Me, Werder, into the winner's bracket. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll take the confidence from my editor. Now, you had you had a nice win at uh, FIVP Huntington to uh, open up and that's that was fantastic
0: yeah it was good it was fun um, and then you know it was and it was cool too to play an international team you know after getting through the country quota like the last thing I wanted to do was just play another American team in a qualifier it was cool just like while we had the international teams here it was cool to to just say that like I played Norway even though you know it didn't go so well it was just uh, Huntington was an awesome experience.
3: Yeah. And, you know, the fact that you're going to Austin to play is cool because they returned to Austin last year, the AVP did, and it was very successful. And as you know, having lived in Florida and spent a lot of time, I know, even in Louisiana and in Texas playing, it's really good for the sport that it's growing. Uh, you know, in Louisiana, beach volleyball is doing extremely well, but Texas is just an untapped, monstrous potential of beach volleyball and i would imagine just like in every other sport and i am talking football basketball baseball swimming golf certainly volleyball beach volleyball in texas maybe 10 years from now will be as big as any place in the country
0: oh i I would think so and just like looking at our numbers from the podcast to texas is our second largest demographic in terms of downloads after california so i was a little bit surprised it was bigger than Florida, but Texas. It goes California, then Florida. So our California, then Texas. So I'd assume that, like, I mean, and the crowd for Austin last year was
3: freaking awesome. So I would assume that it's probably going to be much of the same. Yo, know, I didn't know that number before. You just told me. I just know how big it is in Texas, and that's not a joke. Cause Texas, of course, is so big. But Texas drives a lot of things in our country. It's a, it's a huge part of the economy. Um, and, and everything that happens there. But in sports, and especially volleyball, and especially indoor volleyball, I mean, there is, if, if you're not from California or Texas and you're a women's program, the odds are you recruit Texas. And I imagine that the beach volleyball will explode. So, but uh, I'm glad for the opportunity to jump on here with you and try. And you guys are doing a fantastic job. And, and we're lucky at volleyballmag.com to not only have Sandcast, but also have you, who's a, a real sports writer. You guys should know that. He's not just. Some guy who writes a little bit. Travis is a real sports writer, and when he covers stuff for us, it's it's awesome. So I appreciate I
0: appreciate it. that, and I appreciate you guys at Volleyball Mag kind of hosting us and
3: giving us a platform to publish on. All right. Well, um, hang up with me and get back to the, the real volleyball.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Have a great day, Lee. Thanks, Travis. And now back to the show.
1: Perfect. Okay, I have another fan question. This is from Mike Haytak. He says, it would be great to understand what the current trends are on an effective jump training program specific to beach volleyball. Not only one specific to men, but women too. For that matter, what about us folks who are getting into our later stages of life but still want to be competitive on the sand court?
0: Well, seeing as uh, I might be able to jump over this uh, stack of paper here, which is about two centimeters <laughs> tall. I so think this one's for try.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, well, for me, I think it's different for everyone. There's a lot of athletes that are built a lot differently. For example, I'm long and skinny. I have a skinny torso. I my body's never reacted well to putting a ton of weight on my back or my shoulders, uh, which is mostly what Olympic lifting is. So I've always gone the route of, um, you know, working with dumbbells, um, bands doing a lot of agility work and still working the same muscle groups but maybe in a more isolated way um for example you know you can work your glutes by doing kind of bridge work and you can add weight to that um and there's basically no more painful way to to hit your glutes than do bridge work in my opinion
0: Painful in a a good way
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it sucks but um there's all kinds of stuff you can get creative with, and, and watch videos out there. But you really got to figure out what works for you, because some people, for example, the U.S. National uh, Beach National Team, they're all doing Olympic lifting. Um, I'm not in the gym with them. I have a trainer on the side, which a few athletes do, um, and my trainer is John Haydn's trainer as well. But we do a lot more um, body weight, like so high rep, um, high rep work, with resistance but not heavyweight so we're I, we're gonna do like 30 squats in the same amount of time that people are probably doing 10 but with higher weight um and it's a lot it's a lot of uh, sport specific movements so we're kind of pretending we're doing like maybe a lunge and a squat or you know footwork and we're pretending like we're passing but we have bands around our ankles a band maybe pulling us backwards so we're fighting it to move forward stuff like that um but i think uh a lot of people olympic lifting works which you can find videos online and and do that kind of stuff usually if you're you have a really strong core and and you can be compact and really control the weight then then your body can handle that um but yeah for beach volleyball keep in mind you don't have you don't have a person on on your shoulders trying to tackle you like football <laughs> you you're playing with a a ball that's a few ounces so train that way you know for me i i think I always see thicker guys out there and I'm like, man, if he could lose 10 pounds, think how much more, cause it's a repetition sport. We're jumping all day. We jump. I saw a stat the other day. I wish I knew it exactly, but <laughs> it, it basically said that we jump twice as much as, uh, like NBA basketball players. Um, so think about that. And we're not like backing guys down and having to muscle our way through at all. Um, so you train for that high rep, um, you're, you don't need cardio, but you need fast recovery. So you need to be able to max jump as like, a ton of times. You don't need to like get on a bike and sprint for 30 minutes because that's not what our sport does. Not that that is a bad idea, but for me, I get my cardio more in like circuit training kind of stuff. Um, and I don't do any exercises for longer than like, 20 or 30 seconds because that's the longest that an actual rally will last. But I will do something where I rest for only 10 seconds or so and do it a lot.
0: That's okay. So that's for me. One of the things that Reed Pretty has been stressing is, kind of similar to you, it's not how much you can lift, but sort of how fast and explosive you can lift it. And okay. how many times can you do it? Right. So With
2: the max power.
0: Exactly. So he has this... Uh, I don't even know what it is. It's on sure he's it. got, it's got some like computer like cool calculating wires. it. Yeah, so he has this really cool sort of like warehouse gym in Huntington and... He has these like wires that you can attach to the, the Olympic lifting yeah, yeah. that measure how explosive you lift it. Yeah, it's a really string
2: that, it's a Velcro string that goes on the bar that you don't really feel, but it pulls it through the little mechanism and it, it shows how fast it pulled you pulled the string out.
0: Yeah. So he almost makes a game out of it, like who can have like the most explosive yeah. score. Like, and is it dropping? Like
2: from yeah. one to ten, is it is your speed dropping? You want to keep your speed up. Yeah. Right. But for uh, older folks, I mean, I'm thinking less impact. I've I've been working out with John Hyden for f- the last four years. So, I mean, he's the oldest guy we got out there. And he's he's about like, 45 now. And um, he loves that high rep. Um, the workouts are really hard for sure, but low impact. High rep, low impact, lots of resistance. You want to feel that burn, but you don't want your joints to be uh, taking the... Cr- like, yeah. Taking all the impact
1: cool um okay this is a question about the avp next uh landscape it's from john peterson he wants to know when looking at the avp next regions do you guys in california feel slighted for instance the avp next pacific zone typically has a tourney where the list of teams are stacked with high level players from top to bottom in the south zone my zone it isn't nearly as stacked I'd say our top five teams have guys who might be able to compete in the Pacific zone. Just want to hear y'all's thoughts on the whole landscape of it.
0: So with the AVP next try, I don't think you'll have to play in these ever (laughs) again, probably. You never know. Uh, So the way it works is that there are, I think there's eight zones around the country split up by region, and each zone has a certain amount of tournaments, and the team that finishes that series of tournaments with the most points gets an automatic bid into Manhattan Beach, which is why, when you w- when you look at the Manhattan Beach Open, you will see some names you might not recognize who are automatically into the main draw. Those are they're getting the AVP next regional bids. Now, do the and I'm going to speak on behalf of all the Pacific region uh, players. Is that do you feel slighted playing in that region? I would say no. Well, sure, like getting the bid to Manhattan is going to be a lot harder at the same time. I know a lot of players who have who their only main draw is through that, and they know that it comes with an asterisk they're like, "Yeah, I made main draw, but it was because I made it through the you know the Pacific Northwest where we have two open teams right um, and they they know it because then they come and they get just crushed in the main draw but We moved to California to get the highest level play. And if that means that you have to sacrifice getting an automatic bid through an AVP Next region, you know, and not going through a qualifier. I don't know. I feel like there's something about making it through the qualifier that you sort of have to earn it and getting that bid, you know, I could run, down, run up to Ohio or go down to Arizona or travel to the south and maybe get like a bid that way, but I'll know that it came with an asterisk. So like, I would rather move out here, play against the highest-level players that you're talking about because in our ABP next this year, we've had Sean Rosenthal and Chase Budinger have played in a couple. Um, Taylor Krabs played in a few. Mark Burek's played in a couple. Like we have a lot of high-level players who will come out zone. He plays in a lot. Ed Ratledge, he runs them, so he plays in a lot oh, of it times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you can't, that's the best training you're going to get. I mean, sure, it would be nice to get a bid by beating up on inferior teams, you know, somewhere in Wisconsin. But that's not, like, if you want to be the best volleyball player you can be, that's not the way to do it. It's like, I don't feel slighted. Well, like, I look at it and I feel kind of jealous that they have a free pass to main draw. Like, at the same time, I know that if I were to play them in a match, I'd probably have a better chance because, like, I got to play against Taylor Crab's defense
2: Right. I didn't. I, I mean, I love that the AVP does it, first of all, because yeah, it's helping the spread game. the sport. It's great for the game. Um, and I also think, you know what, if you win one, you get into one main draw and you don't belong there, it'll show. And getting dead last in a main draw ain't going to pull you up much through the qualifiers. So I, I like that teams get shots, and if if whether they earned it or not to get there, you know, once you get in that main draw, that's your real opportunity to earn your spot, and if not, if you don't deserve it, then you're not going to be there again. Um, but it gives more people shots at it, I, guess, I think. And, yeah, everything ends up the way it should be.
1: <laughs> okay, I have a question from Leo Keegan. Uh, he says, The 48-team main draw FIVB Huntington Beach event run by the AVB t- AVP with 16 entries seemed like a great idea in that it was allowing a home country to have a very large participation. Other than the obvious sponsorship issues, Wilson versus Mikasa, what do you think other obstacles are preventing more events like this worldwide?
0: So with, with this one, there was a, a lot of international teams that sort of balked at first when they saw the format, and we, were, we had Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow, which is Canada's number one team, and we were talking to them off the record about it before maybe a month or two before Huntington. And when we told them the format, because they hadn't heard about it, they're like, there's no way that's going to pass. Um, which makes sense. Like, if we were to, if you know, Brazil were to hold a four-star event in Rio and they said, okay, we're going to have 16 Brazilian teams, I'm sure we would throw a fuss too. So I like the fact that they were able to compromise and only give FIVB points to the top six Americans. I think that that was a big swinging point. I also like the fact that, I mean, Huntington Beach... In any kind of, I feel like there's three locations in California where just the location alone is an appeal, and that's Huntington, Hermosa, Manhattan. Because I know that Casey Patterson was a huge advocate for talking to the Latvians, and a lot of the other top international teams are like, "Look, this is like Huntington Beach is beach volleyball. Like this is what it's supposed to look like." And I saw Brower and Newsom, who we had on before Huntington, and this was on a Thursday when like hardly anyone was there. And They were like, look at all these people! This is incredible. they were like, the ABP <laughs> is the best tour in the world. And I was like, dude, there's no one here. Yeah, just wait till the right. weekend, and then we saw them on the weekend. They were like, this is the greatest place
2: ever. Yeah, we have honestly like, there's some places we go like China or like, not that all the China events are bad, but like, like Russia or. or
0: um, you mentioned Doha. Uh, Doha, Doha. Like, no one was in Doha. Yeah, They're there's like, this is such a cool location, but no one was there. There's
2: pl- places we play, and you have like a legit like world-class match and there's like the physios watching and like maybe you're maybe you're like team leader or something like that dedicated girlfriend yeah (laughs) (laughs) well gabby ain't coming out to qatar that's for sure (laughs) um but yeah like there's some places where even through the finals like they don't pack the stadium other places they're they're great almost throughout the whole week but yeah I, i mean california definitely is a is a hot destination for the players for sure
0: yeah and i think just in terms of timing that this year was the perfect year to do it and that it's not an olympic qualification so athletes aren't traveling around the world and maybe sacrificing a top performance at an olympic qualification site like the, it wasn't a huge deal like if you know say someone got kind of screwed over with points it's not as big of a deal now as it would be you know three months before tokyo mm-hmm. so i think the timing was good but i don't know if we'll be able to see an event like this on an olympic year Unless they figure out a way to do, to kind of switch up the point system, or if
2: every, or like, all the big countries got an event,
0: you know, yeah,
2: it'd be cool if it turned into that where everyone gets one, everyone gets to host but one then, with then half a draw. The
0: scalability probably becomes a problem because how are you gonna have that? <laughs> yeah, you're say, right. Like Georgia, yeah, you're not. You know? <laughs> Georgia, <laughs> the country.
2: That's a that's a team. They have a team.
0: They do. Phil mm. Phil and Todd beat them in Beijing. Oh, in, the, uh. in, in the semis. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> what? In the semis? Yeah. Oh, was it Brazil playing for Georgia? Basically. Yeah, that's what they do. like,
0: Brazil is actually Qatar. Qatar, yeah. It's actually Georgia yeah. and, and Kenya. And yeah. Well, <laughs> Phil
2: and Nick actually uh, were, like, at the airport about to get on a plane to go play for Qatar at one point. True story.
0: We're going to have to get into that one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, they were thinking... Of, they were, like, legit going to go because they were, Qatar was going to pay them to play when they were still partnered up back way back 2005? in the day before Todd. Oh, I
0: thought this was like 2015. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, we are the number 1 team for the US. We're going to we're going to switch federations. Yeah. This is before they started playing World Tour. Okay. Cuz they were like, "Oh, we're not going to They didn't think they were going to like jump right into the American system and be top. So they're like, we can go be the top team for Qatar, who has a bunch of money spewing out of the ground."
3: <laughs> <Wow>.
2: Anyway. <laughs>
1: Um, okay, I have another question from Leo. He wants to know, which team on the women's side from the USA do you think will develop in the top contender? Summer, Sarah, Nicole, Carey, Alex, April, Brooke, Lauren, Kelly, Brittany. What do you guys think?
2: Um, is Brooke and Lauren a long-term Thing? Are they back together for good? Well, no. So, Brooke had to get
0: shoulder surgery the moment oh, right. after Huntington. So, I, don't oh, know I hope what, she, uh, what I'm actually
2: it. happy for Brooke. Like, I don't, it sucks to get surgery, but like, she's been dealing with that issue for a while. So, I think we'll see a better Brooke sweat coming out of that. I don't know what Lauren's going to do. Um, I think that Sarah and Summer are going to be consistently right in the middle. I think it's going to be hard for them to consistently podium they're going to be a really good team Uh, and a lot of people like apparently a lot of people like following sarah around which is why she got all those sponsorships because she was filling the stadium in huntington um i think they're going to be really good consistent top 10 team um and then the um hochaver clays i think they'll be like up and down Brittany's kind of had a little, she's been better these last few years, but like kind of known for a l- little bit of those up and downs. You saw them, they got what silver in China,
0: silver in China out of the qualifier, right? So, maybe, like maybe a 17,
2: they're yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, they're going to be up and down like that, I think. And who's the other team, gosh, April, and, April. Alex. Oh, April and, Alex. and Alex? They're gonna only get better, I think. Uh, Alex still doesn't look like she's not even close to where she needs to be, um, which I don't think they expect it or anyone expects that yet, but she's playing with April Ross. Like, April just, she can, not that Alex needs to be carried, but April can legit carry people on her back to victories. Like, they'll be on the podium at some point. They might have some lower finishes. I think they finish close to Sarah and Summer this year. If I had to get someone, give someone the lead on that, I would maybe Sarah and Summer this year. But I think the upside may might be a little higher with uh, April and Alex, just because April's April.
0: Yeah, I think I wouldn't even be afraid to throw Emily Day and Betsy Flint mm. in that right, mix right, too. Right. I think that's probably the most underrated team on the women's side.
2: Yeah, yeah. we just got to see it first. Yeah, you know
0: exactly. And I, I think that Sarah and Summer will probably be our our top team, just because, like you said. April and Alex have so much upside. Mm-hmm. But I think Summer and Sarah, their ball control is is so good. I think right. their consistency is gonna be there. Like you said, they'll be top five probably almost every tournament they play. And I mean, to be top five in that Huntington tournament, that's a really good finish.
2: They'll be top top nine. Top nine. <laughs> top five every tournament is like yeah. that's so you're top, like you're probably gonna be ranked top two or three in the world if you're yeah. top five every tournament.
0: I think that Sarah and Summer will only get better because I just like I always default the teams with the best ball control because if you look at it, those are the teams that win. Yeah. You look at, that's why Smolabs and Smedans for the men are always in the mix and Herrera and Gavira just because every pass is on the money. Yeah,
2: that's consistency. Yeah. That, that'll set the foundation for consistency ball control, which is why I think Summer and Sarah will be right there every time.
0: Yeah, and then I think if if Alex can get that kind of ball control too, which we saw like against the Canadians. It's pretty damn good for world, where she's at. Much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think that by the time Tokyo rolls around, like I think we'll have legitimately at least two gold medal contenders, depending on how Brittany and Kelly are playing. Mm-hmm. Like, that second spot for the U.S. team is going to be really up for grabs. Yeah.
2: Who knows? Maybe more partner changes. Yeah, it's There's been a lot. <laughs> but usually that obviously will settle down next year because yeah. you have to start uh, getting finishes with that partner that you're trying to go to the Olympics with.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, this is a question that I've heard a lot, um, and I feel like the answer could go on for hours. But um, the question is clearly, the addition of NCAA women's beach volleyball has created a pipeline of great players, which should increase the competitiveness of the USA women internationally. What do you think can be done on the men's side in light of Title IX? Hmm.
0: I was out. So I was out of the USAV beach collegiate championships today and i was actually talking to tyler hildebrand about that exact same thing because we were we watched the men's final which was between uh colton cowell and brett god i forget his last name and a couple kids from florida state and they were good but then you look at it and i said well they're all of them are older than the norwegians yeah right and the norwegians are podiuming on FIVB five stars and we're so far behind and that but at the same time, like our men just peak later. Like our men typically peak around like twenty eight to thirty five and then we still have Hayden will be peaking seventy <laughs> seven. Yeah, that's true. And but
1: are they peaking later because they're having to start later?
0: I think so. Yeah. I, I think that the men peak later because they're indoor first and then they transition to beach. Like I don't think we'll see the best of Taylor Crowd till he's thirty. For yeah, the same for sure. Reason. Even though he grew up on the beach, like he still spent four years at Long Beach and then a couple years in France. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem that, like, Russia doesn't have to deal with, obviously, with their young guns, which are 20 and 21. They and also get burned out,
2: too. though. Like, that Euro way is like, yeah. I mean, I went to, like, Youth National, all that stuff when I was younger, but that was, like, a two week stint where I trained with the National. These kids are doing it since they're, like, 16, 15 years old and just, like, grinding 5 6 days a week and they just get burned out i think whereas the americans we like make a lifestyle out of it and we're like doing other things around volleyball and and making it like it's a job so i think euros get burnt out quicker i think the men as long as the women's side is going up they're not going to only create events for girls you know the opportunities are going to be there for the boys american guys even if you're competing indoors you have the skill set on the beach i think we, you kind of rise to the occasion. Yeah, we can
0: ride the women's coat. Yeah, hey, why not? And it's funny you mentioned the burnout too, because like you look at like Allison and Bruno from Brazil, and they're not old. I don't, I don't think either of them are thirty. Oh, they look and like they look crap right they now. They just look like they don't want to be there. Yeah, and then you know you look at say a Miles Evans and Billy Kalinski, who are about roughly the same age, maybe a, a hair younger.
2: Yeah, maybe a little but younger. Close enough, but like, whoa, that's so weird. Like, just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's they, like, really they weird. Want to be there, I think of Bruno Alisson as like old veterans, and when you say Kolinsky Evans, I'm like, oh, these, these the young up and comers. And
0: that's kind of what I think. It's almost an advantage, like you said. Try like we peak later, we get involved later, but we don't like we have Phil, you know, best player in the world, nearing forty. Nick Lucena, one of the best players in the world, nearing forty. We Hyden, can one of the best players in the world,
2: <laughs> plus forty. We can practice. Three days a week if we want, like what me and Hayden like, practice three days a week, Gib will you know we'll take practices off if we want. there's not like a team here like like hit lifting, okay, now go to practice, okay, now go back in the morning. It's like, no, I need a rest. we're all customizing our lifestyles and our careers around what we need specifically, and uh, I think that helps with our longevity
1: but do you think that some people who might come out Don't because of the transition that they would have to make, and then therefore it's taking away from the competitiveness because they never came.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at just the financials of indoor versus beach, I think that that's probably one of the biggest things is that you know, if you can play in Italy for 150 grand a year or grind away on the beach, have an incredible season, and make 17 grand.
2: No, we like, would be, huge gap. yeah, U.S. would yeah. be better at beach volleyball if there was equal incentive to play indoor or um, beach Agreed. money-wise, and I think a lot of these indoor guys would be playing beach because why would you not want to live in California, work at the beach every morning, and still get to compete at the same level for the same amount of money, but it is what it is.
1: We got time for one more?
0: We have about 30 seconds left on the timer. So the idea for the (laughs) the mailbag is to do a 30-minute time limit. I started it when we started reading the first question. Okay. Um, So 30 seconds? Let's do it. 30 seconds.
1: One more. Will (laughs) players that sign the AVP contract be able to play in the P1440 events? Is that being discussed? It's an interesting situation. What would you do if you owned the AVP?
2: Well, no, you can't. You can't play P fourteen forty if you signed AVP contract. And if we owned AVP,
1: yeah. What would you do?
2: I'd just pay the players a ton. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, if if Fine. I'm the
0: AVP, I've never seen the AVP contract, so I can't really tell you what the stipulations in it are. But like, if you're a young and up and coming player, like I talked about this with Ryan Dardy the other day, and like say I make a main draw in Austin and I don't make a main draw the rest of the year and then p fourteen forties come in Huntington in December, like why would I not play? Mm-hmm. Like is the AVP really going to sue me for the 500 bucks that I made in Austin? Right. Like it wouldn't make sense. It would cost them way more in legal fees to do that. Right. So I think that, you know, for the bottom guys, you know, the guys who are trying to come up, like if you have a chance to play competitive volleyball and make money year round, and like, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't, um, but as far as the AVP contract, I don't know what's in it. Yeah, um, it's just kind of a loyalty thing, probably.
2: And if I'm AVP, I don't know. I can't really. It just depends what your business plans are. What are your goals, and like, what do you see as as getting you to that goal? And obviously, they think that they need to cut out the competition and they need to be the only main tour going. They don't think that they can work simultaneously with another uh, tour. A lot of people can make stuff up in their heads of, about how it could work, and I think it possibly could work, but that's just not the way the AVP is going about it. So they're sticking to their guns. It's unfortunate for some. Hopefully in the long term it works out.
0: And if yeah. I had to pick one thing for the AVP to do, I would say have a stop in Florida. I don't, we've missed it the past couple of years, but yeah. Florida, I mean, you, you look at Clearwater. I mean, outside of Huntington, Hermosa, Manhattan, Clearwater in Florida is probably... The fourth biggest beach volleyball demographic. St. Pete wasn't
2: that great. Like, people showed up, but it's, like, on a beach park. The was water like wasn't nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you go to a real beach. I
2: have, I have Florida. yet to see, like, legit. Well, Fort Lauderdale is pretty dope, actually. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale Lauderdale's is sick. Um, but, like, I want to see that that really strong Florida beach volleyball community and, like, have a sick beach event. Fort Lauderdale was cool, though. And that was way longer than 30 seconds.
1: Well, that was a great answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, well, one of the things that we're doing, we are giving away our Jose Loyola signed mini ball as well as our Jose Loyola signed bag. So -hmm. we do have to pick our favorite question, and the winner of that question Mm. will get the bag. Ah. What do you guys think? Best Mm. question of the day. Well,
1: I really appreciate Leo Keegan here because he's done about 10.
0: Going for volume. Um,
1: (laughs) And um, I think his question about the, the FIVB Huntington Beach event was pretty great and kind of what other obstacles there are to kind of doing that. Okay. Nice. Well, you're the
0: boss. Sandcast Mama. Do so I get to pick? You get to pick.
1: Leo, you're the winner. Leo Keegan,
0: congratulations. <laughs> you are the winner. We will email you uh, and let you know, and we will get you your winnings as soon as we can.
2: Right on. Thank you, people. Thank we you.
0: appreciate you. Thank you, Podcast yeah. Mama, Thanks, for reading guys. us the questions. Thank you for the fans for emailing in. If you want to email us a question, we'll try to do this maybe every other week or once a month, just kind of depending on volume. You can email us at sandcastpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our website, sandcastvolleyball.com. And if you like us, let us know.
2: Share it out. Let your friends know. Follow us on iTunes and drop-tube. Aloha.